Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design podcast. This is episode number 29, and I'm going to be talking to a friend of mine, a professional writer, Vicki Sanderson, about how you, as a design professional, are going to be able to use the media to build your brand and enhance your message. And for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to focus our talk on print media as Vicki is a writer. Now, I have been so lucky in my career. I am not the best interior designer in the whole world. I know that. I'm awed by some of the talent I see out there in the world, but I work really hard at it. And as I said, I've had some lucky breaks. I stumbled into my first television series, and that really put me on the map in Canada and brought me a thriving clientele and a thriving business. And then I stumbled because of the television show into being the design editor of Style at Home magazine, which is which was at that time Canada's largest design publication. So my education came partly from school, but partly from having these two incredible opportunities. And some of you are thinking like, wow, I haven't had those lucky breaks. So what we're going to focus on today is talking about if it, if it hasn't fallen in your lap, what can you do to make it happen? What can you do to get your name and your face out there in the public eye and build your brand? Vicki Sanderson is a professional writer whose beat is interior design. And I want to say that again. She's a professional writer. That means she's someone who earns a living full-time from writing words. And I think that's a really important distinction. Lots of us uh, work part-time as writers. Some of us uh, enjoy blogging as a hobby or a way to get our brand out there in the world. But I'm going to take my hat off to anyone who can make it in the competitive and shrinking business of being a professional writer. And Vicki's Beat for years, for more than 20 years, has been the interior design uh, platform. So she writes about lifestyle, design, decoration. Rating. She's also reviewed every product known to humankind. Currently, she has columns in the Toronto Star and Renoir Decor magazine, which is a controlled circulation publication that Vicki and I both write for. Uh, but of course, she's written for anybody who's anybody in Canada. And wherever you're living, there is a Vicki Sanderson near you, or a few of them if you're in a big urban center. So it's important for you to, first of all, identify who those professional writers are whose beat is interior design and then get to know them. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about. Once you do get to know what their names are, how do you approach them? How do you make yourself known to them? How do you make yourself useful to them so they'll call you from time to time? According to Vicki, when you do reach out to somebody like that, you want to have a toolkit at your disposal that's ready to go. And she's going to describe what's in that toolkit. But it reminded me of the idea of an elevator pitch. You know, you're writing a screenplay and you happen to be in an elevator with uh, Steven Spielberg and you have less than 30 seconds to pitch your idea, get his attention and get him to hand you his business card that actually leads to a phone number he uses because of course he's got 
a business card that leads to his publicist and you're never going to talk to him in that case. So you've got this 30 second window to make your case. It's kind of true with professional writers as well. They have tight deadlines, uh, ever increasing demands on the amount of content they produce for a limited amount of money. And if you do happen to get their attention, You want to make sure that you're ready to tell them your story quickly, succinctly, and then you can back that story up with great photographs. I was once at a conference, this is years ago, and I can't remember her name, but she was the editor of Southern Living Magazine, and I had a project I thought was just awesome. Now, I knew it was not appropriate for Southern Living Magazine because it was in Canada and we're not in the South. Anyway, I grabbed her uh, when I got her attention. I whipped up my iPad. I showed her the project, and she said, that's lovely, but it's where is it? I said, oh, it's in Toronto. She said, that's not my beat. I said, I know. Too bad, huh? And then she gave me the name of someone else to follow up with, with, which ultimately led to me getting that space published. So even in that brief span of time, that conference, I had a great photograph ready to grab her attention and ultimately it helped me get published. So do you have everything you need in your toolkit to put yourself in a position to take advantage of opportunities that land in your lap? That's the question I hope you're going to ask yourself at the end of this podcast. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. I'm going to hit pause right now like I do in every episode, and I'm going to check in with the wonderful, amazing Director of Operations at Business of Design, Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, what do you have for us today? Our next webinar is coming up on October 25th. We're still making our way through the 15 steps, and we're already up to step 11, which is the client reveal. So if you guys have any questions that you want to make sure we get in front of Kimberly before that, um, please email us at info at businessofdesign.com and make sure you sign up for that webinar. It's coming up on October 25th. Okay. Yeah. And I guess we have to, at some point, look ahead to next year and see if we're going to repeat the 15 steps or if the members have another idea about how they want us to handle the webinars, maybe just live coaching calls instead. So, Yeah. We've had a lot of great feedback as far as taking the courses that one step further on how to actually implement that information. So if anybody has any um, course requests that they still have questions on that they'd like us to um do, do the same thing where we talk about how to actually implement that information. Um, again, just email us at info at businessofdesign.com. Uh, we're already starting to plan for next year. So uh, get those ideas into us. All right. Sounds good. Have a great day. You too. And now back to the show. As I mentioned, Vicki Sanderson is a professional writer with columns in the Toronto Star and Reno and Decor. She's also written for the Globe and Mail and House and Home. Um, Recently, she launched her own website, Around the House, and it's really fun. I think you should check it out. I particularly like a couple of the sections on her website, Ask Aunt Vicki, which uh, I'm just excited that I might even have an Aunt Vicki. That just sounds awesome. And the other one, Peace of my mind and it's about having an opinion and we're going to have Vicki back to talk about opinions on a later episode. 
You can also follow Vicki on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by using the tag ATH with Vicky, around the house with Vicky, ATH with Vicky on all of those platforms. Vicki, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this for us. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure to be with you today. I'm excited. Well, I have the advantage over a lot of the listeners uh, having been following your career for years. I know you do a lot of work in the interior design industry, so you are really in a great position to talk to us about how we can use media to better enhance our messages and get our own brands out there. So where do you think we should start with a conversation like this? I think we should start with people deciding from the sort of the get-go what it is that they want to achieve through media exposure and to have sort of a a strategic plan of what they think that this is going to um, achieve for them and how and in what ways and with what audiences it's going to boost their profile or bring them business or, um, you know, build build their brand. So what do you think people do wrong most often? Because I know you get pitches all the time. So do they come at you with 25 ideas and they don't have it narrowed down? Or do they come at you with no concrete idea? Like, where do we make our mistake at the very beginning? I think at the very beginning, people make the mistake of not making that decision about who they want to be. So, for example, I would say if you're a designer, you need to think, first of all, about who you are when you're approaching Vicki Sanderson. Are you um, a designer who wants to have his or her work featured in the media? Do you have the intention of becoming a content uh, producer um, yourself? In the old days, we used to call a content producer a writer, but that's a, probably a whole other discussion. Don't get me do started. <laughs> Do you want to have your your own your own column? Do you want me? To, do you want to be someone who I call when I need an, an expert opinion? Make that decision, and then from that decision will flow your your next steps. Because the reality is, there are not that many full time dedicated professional writers in our industry. So if if an interior design profession gets a hold of a Vicki Sanderson, in other words, a full time professional writer, you ought to have an idea of what you want her to help you do, so you can convey that message quickly, right? Absolutely, and and that's not that uh, that's not that that hard to do if you have a good sense of. Of, of who you are and, and what your, what your niche is or what, what your sort of your expertise is. As long as you can define that for me, then, then we're off to a good start. But if you come to me and you're not sure whether that's what you want to do or whether you want to have, uh, your, your own column, then we're going to start to, to get into sort of a confused area because I don't know what it is that, that, that you want to do. My, best suggestion um, for a designer just starting out who wants to enhance his or her media profile is to start by being the person who is featured in the media, that you're going to come to me and say, Vicki Sanderson, I did this wonderful design in such and such a home under such and such circumstances, and I'd love for you to... um, to share it and feature it with your, with, with your readers. And given that, you, there's a fairly easy toolkit that you need to uh, assemble in order to, to, to be that person. 
Okay, I want to go through what that toolkit is, but before we get there, do you feel like before I approach you or someone like you, should I do my homework and figure out what publications you write for? Should I be specific and say, you know, I noticed that you write for House and Home or for Style at Home or for uh, Architectural Digest, and this story I think is perfect for that publication. Do I need to be that specific? You better be that specific because if you're not that specific or if, or if it's clear that you don't know who I am or where I write, uh, you are going to get the nasty side of, of Vicki Sanderson because part of me is going to think that if you don't have the time or the energy to figure out who I am or, or what I do, then you're probably not very serious about this endeavor or you don't have a lot of respect for what I do. Okay, that's a really good point because I think sometimes I've been approached in the past and it almost feels like this person who is actually seeking a favor from me thinks I might work for them. You know what I mean? Like they'll say, I have this story and I want you to take this angle and I need it to be like this and I want my photo and I'm sort of taken aback by that approach. Yeah, and I think that that often just comes from from inexperience. And I try, when I talk to people, especially uh, young designers or people starting out, I try to make them understand that I'm not really doing them a favor. If they've got something uh, terrific to share, then it's in my interest to, to, to be able to share that with, with my readers. But you need to know who you're talking to, and partly because if you approach the wrong uh, media person, you are wasting your time, you're wasting their time, and you never know, and and you're making a first impression with them. So say I'm not writing about small spaces this year, but you're really great at small spaces. If my first impression of you is that you didn't bother to open the Google machine and find out who I am and what I do, then when you do approach me next year when all of a sudden I'm doing a series on small spaces, I've already got a first impression of you, of somebody who's who can't be bothered to to, to sort of do that 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 research. So you've 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 made a um, you haven't made the kind of impression with me that that you want to, and you've wasted my time and 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 yours. So spend a few minutes, spend a little while finding out, looking at the publications, finding out who writes where, read some of their stuff, pay attention to dates because just because I was writing about small spaces in 2005 when I had a column called small spaces doesn't mean that's what I'm doing in 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 2017 so just a little bit of research um and even if you know even if you don't get it all right like even if you you know phone me up and say well I know you're writing about I read your small spaces articles. I can I can say, well, I'm not doing that now, but at least I know that you've made some effort, and that's going to um, that that's going to to help. In the same way that it would be deeply insulting, uh, I think, to you if we had an interview set up and I said, so Kimberly, uh, tell me about yourself. What do you do? Right. Uh, that would show that I hadn't done my homework. It's it's. I do feel that. Um, there's 
that the, any conversation has to start uh, on a basis of mutual respect, and that's all. that always includes getting to know who the other person is. Okay, good advice. I'm going to jump into the toolkit, but before I do, I want to just point out something you just kind of tossed into the middle of the sentence, which is, I could reach out to you and just make myself available as an expert who can answer questions when you have them from time to time. That seems to me like a really good way to develop a relationship with a professional writer. It is a really good way, and that's why if you and I start, what we are going to have, if it's going to work for both of us, is a relationship. That means I need to trust you to be um, an expert about the things that you say you're an expert about, to be able to give me good information that, that I know is going to be accurate and, and timely. So one of the things you need to know is that as we start that relationship, don't get discouraged if uh, the first time you approach me with something, I can't use it or I don't pick it up. It doesn't mean uh, that I'm not interested in you and never, never will be. It might just mean that I don't have anything on my uh, on my horizon that's going to work with with that particular story. But um, you know, keep uh, keep keep pitching. Right. And if you don't want them to pitch anymore, you'll let them know. Like, I think sometimes we're so thin-skinned, if we don't hear back, we think, ah, she hates me. Uh, Clearly, I'm the biggest loser, and I can't reach out to her anymore, when in fact, you're just busy, and you don't have a need for that right now. So that's good advice. Get your plan together. And then you mentioned a toolkit, being able to have a few things at your fingertips when you finally do make the approach. Well, just to go back to that last point, typically what I will say is, for example, if your design uh, practice, for whatever reason, focuses a lot on kids' rooms right now, um, or, um, well, kids' rooms is, is a good example, I would say, you know what, I'm not really hand, I don't really focus much on that. I don't do nurseries. I might be able to say, you know, my colleague such and such does, so you might you might want to um, you might want to picture the only time I will tell you, I mean, I try and be polite and respectful and answer all emails. I don't because I'm not perfect yet. Um, but the only time I will really tell you, don't pitch me on this, is if I, um, is if what you're doing is really just not sort of in my, on, on beat as it were. And for example, great, um, example of that I got, um, an email this morning about somebody doing something for uh, breast cancer research, which is a, a very laudable thing to be doing, but I don't write about health. I don't write about women's health. It's completely out of my, out of my wheelhouse. So in, in, in those instances, I will just say, you know what, D- don't pitch me anymore. But as long as you can keep coming at me with, uh, with good ideas, it is in my interest to, to keep you on my horizon. Okay. And um, it's okay as well to do quite a few little quick mentions of things um, just to get your foot in the door, right? Like, I mean, if you're writing a story on kids' bedrooms and you ask me for a quote and I give you one quote, it doesn't take much of my time, but we do that three or four times. And then you might turn around and say, hey, Kimberly, do you have a house that you've completed that we could now feature? Exactly. And sometimes, especially especially as uh, content across multiple mediums gets sort of shorter and more um, kind of shorter and more like little bites, um, I often need somebody who I can say, 
uh, okay, Kimberly, what are three great tips for changing your decor up on a, on a seasonal, seasonal basis? Um, so whether, but whether or not you are offering me that or something more sort of long form or a bigger piece, there are a couple of things that I need from you and that you should be prepared to, you should prepare or have, you know, ready before, before you approach me. Okay. And that's the toolkit, right? Yeah. That's li- the toolkit. I like that. A little checklist for us. Okay. Where do we start? Your toolkit starts with um, a realization that I am always telling stories. That's what my business is. You design the stories, and I often hear designers say that every space tells a story. I want to know what that story is. So give me in a couple of sentences um, what it is. A family had been living in their uh, mid-sized, mid-Toronto home for 10 years with their young kids. Um, The daughter turns 11 and is no longer interested in her uh, little girl bedroom, and she wants uh, to change it because her life is changing. She's having friends over. She's studying more independently. She wants her alone time. She wants her me time. So you created this great transitional uh, bedroom that will take her from now until the time she leaves for college and mom is sobbing at the front door. That's a story. Okay. That's a story of a state. Okay. And if, if, okay. So is it possible that I would come to you with that story and you go, ho hum, that's a little dull because we've done that story before. And then you would ask me some questions and we could massage it a little bit. We can definitely massage it, but I, if you really want to um, impress me, you will have thought of that beforehand. And the next thing you will think about is what makes your story different? What makes it unique? Um, is it that you um, incorporated furniture that was in the kid's bedroom before and, and updated it or reupholstered it? Uh, is it that you used... Um, you know, energy efficient, uh, that the, the brief was to make it as energy efficient as possible, like anything that makes it a little bit different, a little bit uh, unique is going to, is going to catch my interest. Okay. So that onus is on us to be prepared like that. It's almost like if you had a screenplay and you were in an elevator with Steven Spielberg, you'd have about less than a minute to tell him your great idea and have him go, actually, that's a really good idea. Yeah, and but by the time by the time you and I have developed some kind of relationship, I am going to be comfortable saying, "Well, you know what? That that, that sounds great, but um, like, geez, I've done so many of those. Um, is there another angle? Is there another angle that you can that you can think of? And and maybe that's um, oh, we went from super soft um, pastel-y colors to really bold, uh, bold hues with kind of a graffiti uh, motif. Like have, you know, have a couple of, of, of answers at the, in, in your pocket that you can, that you can uh, pull out if, if I start to ask um, questions. Because one of the things I'm really going to appreciate is that if you can look at that story from slightly different angles. Yeah, because it's a possibility, as you said, that you've written these stories before, right? Well, 
And let's be honest, there are... Uh, <laughs> How honest are we going to be? <laughs> there's only so many, so many rooms, so many rooms in the house and, and so many of those sort of transitional stories that, that you could tell. But each room, like each room, like each painting that a, uh, a painter does can and is different. And if yours is beautiful and interesting and or um, super affordable and or super luxe and over the top, um, it's, it's, it's always, you know, there's always something new. There's always something new to a new way to, to, to tell a story. Okay. Now, so that has to do with the backstory to the beautiful space that you've designed. Do you also need to have photos that are ready to go? You need to have photos that are ready to go. You need to please take a before picture. And the before picture, you can probably take it on your uh, phone, try and make sure it's not too dark. But everybody wants um, a before picture. And you know, don't worry if it looks terrible. Like the the worse the before, the better the, the the after. So just try and just try and think about think about that um, and and have that um, have that ready to to show me. Um, some people do sort of um, sort of in progress pictures. Typically, especially for print, I'm not going to use that. I I don't have space. I'm you know space is at such a premium premium these days. For online stuff, people might be more interested, but unless there's something very particular or you're doing a sort of a, a DIY story, I'm not that interested in how it looked uh, two weeks in. I want to see how gorgeous it is um, afterwards. The other thing I'm going to say about pictures is please, please, please consider investing in professional photography. You can get... Um, it's not ridiculously expensive. I mean, you could have somebody in for half a day and spend $700, $750. You can spend a lot more on that if you get the real um, photography stars. But you can get great pics um, for, you know, for, for a reasonable amount of money. And if you ask yourself whether or not it's going to be uh, you're, you're going to get the value out of having your piece appear in the Toronto Star or Reno and Decor or House and Home or Canadian Living. Um, whether you're going to get that value out of that, I think the, the, the answer is, is yes. Now, it is true that some of those publications, the consumer publications like Canadian Living, House and Home, Style at Home, will and do send out their their own photographers. Um, but increasingly for newspapers and for online um, for online publications, having your own images is, is going to be helpful. There's another advantage to that in that if uh, one of the big mags sends out a photographer and shoots your home, it's going to be gorgeous, it's going to be beautiful. But at the end of the day, they own those pictures, and you are not going to have access to them. If you take your own pictures, then you can offer them to Vicky at the Star and to Martin at the Toronto Sun and to Savannah at Renault and Decor. You can also use them uh, on your own blog and in your own uh, social social media. So you have um, you can just get a, a, a much 
greater reach. You own the picks. You can do what you want with them. Uh, and, and I think it's 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 very very worthwhile to consider that. That is such a good point. And my experience, I was with Style and Home Magazine for 18 years. The editors are not interior design professionals, and they're not always able to visualize what a space is going to look like from a from a weak photograph. So the people who get published over and over again are those people who hire a professional to even to show them to the magazine. And then sometimes the magazine will reshoot them. But as you said, then you own those photographs and you can use them. And I've done that a number of times. So I hate to be like a broken yeah, record. And oh, go ahead. There's a bit of a ga- a bit of a no, was- echo. So we cross over each other sometimes. You go ahead. I, I was just going to add that um, one of the things you, as a designer, bring to the to the table is that you can look at that room in a way that I cannot. I can. I can use the words to describe the the room, but you have a, a visual acuity, a visual, often a visual genius that old Vicki Sanderson never is going to have. So you can look at that room and think about particular angles and particular shots that are that are going to look great. So one, the only other thing I was going to add to that is if you're working with a professional photographer, you know, it, it depends by photographer. But what I always like to do um, is I set up a, a shot list like I want to see a big I, w- I want to see this credenza and the big oversized um, artwork above it in, in one shot I really like the detail on this uh, this chair um, so I'd like a, a I'd like to, to highlight that um, this rug is fantastic it's silk blah 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 so just make a list of make a list of shots you think you want before the photographer even gets there so that you can share them um, with him or her. Okay, good point. It will just help, it will just help uh, focus. And when you do, um, when, you, when you're talking to the photographer, make sure, and this is really important these days, that some of the shots are what we call portrait, that is vertical in orientation, and that some are landscape, um, i.e. horizontal in orientation. That's important because a lot of online uh, vehicles now need those horizontal orientations for their, for their formats. For some reason, um, like a, a header picture across the top of a blog, it just looks better um, horizontal. So make sure that you get pictures with uh, both orientation. It gives you way more um, versatility and you'll be able to use those pictures across um, more platforms. Absolutely. That's a great suggestion. I was going to also say that I have found over the years, and this is ridiculous that given that I'm an interior designer, but I now know I need to hire a stylist when it comes times to do the photos because things that look beautiful in the client's home sometimes take on a different look through the lens of a camera and a stylist will know just when you need to add flowers or a pair of shoes or throw, like they just have a different I than the rest of us do. And I think it's worth spending the money on getting a professional stylist in for the day as well. I do too. And one of the, one of the, um, uh, to be fair, I, I don't always do it, but one of the things, the, the way I learned that lesson was I had a beautiful photographic print, um, that was of, um, it was, uh, uh 
a country setting. It was a barn and uh, a lonely road just before a storm was about to hit. So there was this gorgeous dark sky and this um, barn that was almost like looked like illuminated. It was, I thought it was stunningly gorgeous. When I took the picture, I realized it read like a great big black rectangle Mm. and, you know, on the detail work. So it was one of those, you know, kind of a wake up call that things that look beautiful in real life do not always photograph well. But one of the things sort of that you can do if you're not ready to hire or not able to hire the stylist is when you're finished that room, go through it. And again, just take pictures even with your, with your phone and then look at those pictures and you will notice, not only will you notice things that don't look right, but you'll notice that oh, that picture is just a tiny bit off, or those two chairs that you thought were so symmetrical, you know, the angle on one is is uh, a bit wrong. And that gorgeous throw that you thought was so artfully arranged on the chair looks kind of like oatmeal has been spilled <laughs> over it. So just that, that, that taking those pictures and looking at those images really critically will allow you to make those uh, little little fixes. Okay, I love that. So, so you've described what we need to have in our toolkit, and there was another um, term I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, you mentioned being a content producer, which is very different than providing a professional writer with images and a story. Uh, but there's also something called supplied content. So, why don't we start with supplied content, and then we can move on to content producing? Well. So- Supplied content is basically means that you, as the as the designer, are going to give a finished package of information to uh, a publisher. You are going to go to a, a magazine um, or develop a relationship with a magazine where you get a column every every month, every week, or or on an occasional basis, and the pictures are going to be done, formatted, captioned and the copy is going to be already written. So you, Kimberly, are going to come to my editor at the Star or another editor at a, at a magazine and say, I've got this, picture, I've got this story all, all ready to go. You are supplying me with the content, and that is different from saying, hey, Vicki Sanderson, I'd love for you to write about my renovation in, in Riverdale. That's basically the, the difference. You become the you become the person who puts the package together. Okay. But you need a real strong skill set to handle that. I mean, it's kind of one of those things you mentioned getting professional photos taken. I used to think I take I took pretty good photos until I compared my pretty good photos with the professional photographs and I realized I take lousy photos. So I think sometimes people think it's really easy to write a column and throw down the um, photos and add the taglines, et cetera, when in fact it's it really is a skill. So you might have to work your way up to something like that. Isn't that correct? I could not agree with, with that more. I think a lot of people think that it's super simple. Yeah, just you're, I'm just going to write my, you know, write something down, and um, I got these great pictures, and bingo, bango, bongo, I'm, I'm done. But you know what? It is not like that unless you, for example, when I write a column, when I write any piece, I go through uh, six or seven drafts. And I know from having been the recipient of supplied content from 
from designers who do beautiful work as designers. I'm looking at this thinking, I'm thinking, you didn't even read this through a, a second time. And, you know, even before you get to that, you don't understand what a lead is because you've repeated yourself. Your first paragraph essentially says, the same thing that your that that your second paragraph um, does, um, and that's not that's not strong good writing. So I think a lot there's a lot of people out there who are supplying content who think that their writing is just fine, and you know what? It's not. They're getting published because editors and publishers are desperate for contra- uh, content. Their um, budgets continue to shrink. So a lot of people will say to me, well, what do I care? It got published. I don't care if, I, if, my, if my lead wasn't strong. And I'm going to say this to, you, to those people. As a designer, when you walk into a room, you know instantly the, 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 the level, the, the, the skill of the person who's put that room together. It communicates itself to you in a million little ways that you notice that the average person, the civilian, will not notice. And that's because you are an expert at design. When I, and, and, and a person, Again, a civilian can walk into a room and they won't be able to see, uh, see those little things that you see, but they will know how that room makes them feel. They will know that they have a different feeling when they walk into the beautifully designed room that they do than they do when they walk into the clumsily or poorly designed room. Mm-hmm. A reader is going to see the same, have the same experience. They will not be able to look at, uh, possibly look at your first paragraph and say, wow, your pronouns don't agree there, or you've, that's, a, that's a run-on sentence, or you should have used a comma there. They will not be able to put, pick it apart um, grammatically or, or, or look at it in terms of a piece of writing, but they will know how it makes them feel when they read it, and that will be the impression that they, that they leave with. And if, if your name is on there, if it, the byline is you know, uh, Josephine Schmo, then that will be the impression that, that, that they get from you. Mm-hmm. So if, so I would say you either have to really invest time in learning how to write. And I mean, that is an investment. That means that you are going to commit to, um, several drafts of, of that, that piece, preferably you're going to go and either take a course or, or, or work with somebody, um, who can who can help you with that that kind of stuff, or you're going to hire a ghostwriter, right? So if you if you do care about that, if that's something you think, gosh, I'd really like to learn how to do that. I thought I knew how to write until I had my first editor who just destroyed what I turned in, and I was just devastated. But I ended up learning so much uh, from that first editor that I had that I just could never repay him for that. So let's say it's important to you, think you actually would like to try it. Are there second tier publications or third tier publications where you can kind of learn the ropes a little easier than aiming so high to start? Well, there are... There are... um you know, top tier, second tier publications. I think the real delineation right now that 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 we're noticing and that we're seeing play out is um, 
paid circulation magazines, and that would be Style at Home, House and Home, Canadian Living, uh, those kinds of publications, and what we call controlled circ, controlled circulation magazines. And those are the magazines that, um, that people don't pay for, but are, they're available, uh, you know, you're going to find them in the doctor's office or the, 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 the beauty parlor or wherever. Um, I hesitate now to call them second tier because I think some of them are as good looking um, and as well put together as uh, as paid subscription. I think Renault and Decor is a is a great looking magazine with with, with great uh, content, um, but people don't subscribe to it the way they would um, Canadian Living. Regardless of what tier it is. The editor, there's going to be an editor that, that, that you're submitting this, this stuff to. And especially with controlled circ magazines where the, the, um, budgets are even tighter, that's almost where you might want to consider more seriously working with a, a ghostwriter or, or working with, um, a, a consultant because that editor does not have even the same amount of time or support to go through your stuff that um, that somebody at one of the bigger magazines might. And so he or she is going to quickly decide that if they have to spend too much time rewriting your uh, copy, it is, it is simply not worth their time. Because it's often easier... For me, it's often easier um, just to, to to start over and rewrite something than it is to untangle somebody else's um, yeah. somebody else's work. Where it's just it's it's yeah. evident that, um, that the space might be great, but they they don't have the the writing skills skills to communicate that. Absolutely. So what and whatever whatever platform you're you're working with, even if it's online. Um, I would say that well-written, interesting, concise um, writing is 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 going to be core to your brand. Okay, good point. And if you are um, thinking that this is something you want to do more of, it makes a lot of sense to me to hire a professional ghostwriter because you'll learn along the way, and you'll be able to enha- or entice other editors who are seeing your name on a column. Uh, whereas if you turn in a poorly written column, those other editors are not going to pick up the phone to call you. So it does make sense to invest in that a little bit. I think it really does. And that's all part of content production, right? Getting Writing a good story, taking good photos. How do you feel about blogs and uh, online publications nowadays? Is it worth your while if you're an interior design professional who wants to reach a wider audience to focus in that big arena? I think that one of the real benefits to... Uh, to a blog is that it is you have complete control so it is a, re, a relatively um a relatively cost effective and easy way to put your personality and your brand uh across and there's lots of little you know tricks you can do like or guest writing for for other blogs and and what have you but if you have your own Space, 
you can really use that not only to communicate with a with a wider audience, but you can really use it as a place to send potential clients to who can see um, you know what your style is, what 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 your vibe is. You can communicate your 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 personality. I think I think it's a, a a great way to to do that. I also think though that a lot of people do not understand how much time and energy it takes. Um, I started a new website earlier this year, and a lot of people said to me, "Oh, well, you can just like go on such and such and you know design a, a blog and <laughs> do it all yourself." And I that I did not do that. I spent a few thousand dollars going and working with somebody who put together uh, a website for me and, you know, helped me sort of um, create the, the brand look across the website, across my business cards, across all those platforms that's easy for me to use, that, um, that, that I think looks great, and that um, was tailored to the way I'm going to uh, present myself to the, to the world. So again, I think it's. Uh, I think if you're going to do it, it's it's worth considering making an investment in it. I'm a big fan of um, two sections that don't have a lot of content yet, but I'm kind of watching them. And the one is ask ask Aunt Vicky. First of all, I just I just like that I could have an Aunt Vicky. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so I want to write into Aunt Vicky just to get her opinion on this or that or the other thing. But the other one is peace of peace of mind or peace of my mind. Uh, I like that um, you take a very strong stand on something. So we're going to wrap up this segment, but I want you to come back and talk to us a little bit more about around the house and having an opinion and being an opinionista because you're someone I watch on social media who is not afraid to say, I completely disagree with this and that that's happening in pop culture at the moment. So I think that's a great skill and a great talent as well. Well, of course, I'm always always eager and willing to share my opinions. (laughs) I'd be delighted. Good. Okay. So let's, at the end of every podcast, we're trying to transition to something we call design intervention. And it's kind of just cocktail chatter. You've been around the interior design business a long time, like I have. Uh, We're the same peer group. Um, Do you have some design intervention for our group. In other words, are there is there a pet peeve? Is there something that makes you crazy about our industry or something that you're just really excited about you think could help people who run small interior design firms? And I'm throwing this to you at the last second. I didn't even give you any chance to prepare. But let's see what comes up. I think that... Hmm... There, well, there's probably a lot of things that that that, that we could uh, that we could touch on, but I think that the biggest thing for me would be to just encourage people to not be afraid to have a personality, to have a you know a particular look, to have a, you know to be that that per- I think sometimes we try too hard to be all things to all all people and, and i think that personality i'm not i'm not articulating this particularly well but i think that the people that i'm most interested now in now are strong personalities have a strong brand and are not afraid to 
um, to communicate that and that if there's a trend out there that they're not interested in or that they, they, they don't like, they don't have to, to chase it. They can stick to what they do and what they love. And I think there'll always be an audience for, for that. It's hard sometimes to wrap your head around the fact that you cannot be all things to all people, especially when you're starting out, you want every project, any client, all clients. And so there is a tendency to kind of beige it all out, right? Uh, And I'm hearing that um, not just from you, Vicki, but from other experts who've been on the podcast, that it's okay to be authentic and have a personality and put your stake in the ground so that the clients who are attracted to that personality will find you and they'll hire you. I think not only is it okay, I think that it's becoming increasingly essential. I think that people want to uh, work with people that they believe are authentic, trustworthy, truthful, and that have a particular um, particular vision that they can share. I mean, if I want an all-room, an all-beige room, I could probably do that myself. But if I want to have a room that's got that beautiful, layered, elegant, sumptuous, Kimberly Selden look, that's who I'm going to go to because I know that that's what you can deliver. So yeah, not only okay, but I think maybe just a really good business strategy long-term. So every, all roads, I feel like a broken record, but all roads eventually lead back to small business owners. Um, I'm, I'm speaking predominantly to interior design professionals, but it could be true for writers as well. Really owning the fact that you're in a business to make money. And when you, when you raise your rates to a, a certain level, you're going to be able to afford all the good things that we talked about today, like hiring a professional photographer, hiring a professional stylist, hiring a ghost writer, or spending the time it takes to develop a relationship with a professional writer who can use you as a resource. But you can't do any of that if you're not charging a reasonable amount of money. And I know this is veering off topic, but I have uh, earned money for a long time writing professionally. I'm, I'm not the caliber of writer that you are. I don't compare myself to you. I'm very good at telling a story in simple, plain language, uh, but I don't consider myself to be an eloquent writer. Um, but the People who do write are under increasing pressure to deliver more and more and more content for less and less money. So we also need to be aware of that as we're approaching these people. Well, first of all, I think that you're quite an elegant writer. I think that you're a very graceful writer, and I always enjoy reading what you um, what you what you write. And in the same way that you know we might write differently. I mean, let's face it; I can sort of decorate a room, um, but I don't call myself a designer and I don't, you know, put myself out there as such. I think there's room, I think there's room for us to sort of, you know, blur, blur some of the lines. But I also think, you know, I've been writing for a long time and I know that I can deliver what I think is really top quality uh, content for, you know, for, for my clients so I've come to the point where, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, would you like to write a, a, a blog post for exposure? Or, um, well, we can't pay you, but, you know, we could uh, give you a lot of exposure. You know, thanks. I write for the Toronto Star. I'm okay for exposure. Um, and the bank is not uh, going to, 
you know, I, I can't pay my, my mortgage with uh, exposure. So I'm at the point now where it's, here's what I charge. Here's, you know, what you're going to get for that. If that doesn't work for you, that's fine. Uh, you know, go on to the next person. Although, you know what? You're going to irritate me if you say, well, do you know anybody who would do it cheaper? <laughs> because uh, uh, that's, that's just... That's too a, far. That's a, just too far. That, that's going a, a bit too far, but, you know... Well, designers can relate to, to all of that. And never... Yeah, and never, ever say to me, well, if you wrote less, if it was shorter, would you um, would you charge us? Because my answer always is no. Shorter costs more because it's harder to get a message across in fewer words. Oh, so, that's yeah, you know good. What? That's good. I think that translates for interior designers as well. Sometimes uh, a client will say, but it's just a bedroom. Shouldn't you be able to cut your hourly rate? Absolutely not. Uh, you, it no. takes all that ramp up time and getting to know the client has to happen regardless of whether you're decorating one room or 70 rooms, right? Or writing one story or 20 stories. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow. This has been really fun. Thank you so much. Everybody check out Around the House. And Vicki, will you come back and talk about having a strong opinion? I certainly will. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.